Coming to you from Las Vegas, this is the Bar Stars Happy Hour, a show for bar people by bar people. We'll get to know different bar stars from around the globe and serve up tips, tricks, and the untold tales of the industry. So whether you sling drinks in a bar or just enjoy a round or two, join us for happy hour, because this pod's for you. Welcome into the Bar Stars Happy Hour. The bar is open. My name is Tom. And I'm Jackie. Hi, everyone. And this is happy hour number three. I'm really looking forward to our guest today. She is such a great person, such a good friend of the show, and I'm really excited to connect with her and see what's been going on with her. Absolutely. I can't wait. But first, we wanted to let everybody know that we are building a community of Barstar Happy Hour regulars. If you go to our website, barstarspodcast.com, hit the button on the top right of the screen that says become a regular and send us a message or submit a question for us. We will give you a shout out on a future episode for becoming a Barstars regular and answer your question. So we're looking forward to hearing from everyone. You can also write in just to say hi, tell us how much you like the show, or you can also ask us industry advice from drink recipes to proper procedures or anything in between. I think it's going to be really cool to interact with everybody. So if you have a question for us or our future guests, let us know. I bet our next guest is a regular for sure. So we decided to give her her own happy hour. She is an extremely talented professional dancer. She's a pool cocktail waitress here in Las Vegas and just an all-around kick-ass person. Tennille Pritchard, welcome to the show. Hey, T. Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm great. How you doing? <laughs> We're doing all right. We're still at the house, just chilling, just like everybody else. Still at the house is good. Except for one of us has a job, one of us doesn't. How about you? I, I am working. I am back working full time at the moment. And what is the pool like? The pool is interesting. It's a little bit crazy right now because the bars aren't open, so... You can only get drinks through cocktail servers. So we're we're running around a little bit in the 115 degrees. Oh are you still busy? You still got a lot of people or is it 50%? Um, Yeah, we are. We're supposed to be at 50%. <laughs> so July 4th weekend was actually pretty interesting. What they did was we had a line of people outside in the casino waiting to get into the pool all day. And then do people really wait in lines like outside? I mean, they waited. They waited all day long. We had allowed a line outside. And then also on the pool deck, I think we were allowed maybe 400, 450 people. Uh, but there were only only 42 people were allowed in the pool at a time. What? No way. So they had caution tape around the pool and only one opening. And so there was a line on the pool deck wrapped around the pool for people waiting to get into the pool. So they would literally let 42 wow. people in the pool for about 30 minutes. And then the DJ would make an announcement. Okay, guys, time for you guys to get out and a new group of people to get in. So then those people had 10 minutes to get their stuff and get out. And then they let 42 people in. And then those people waited for another half an hour in line or maybe an hour if you didn't make the cutoff. So yeah, it was interesting. That's crazy. That's such a different experience than normal. Yeah, a lot of people were not happy about that. I think, it, yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't want to be told what to do, period. They don't even care if it's good for them. I mean, they just don't want to be told what to do. That's literally what it is. People just, there are signs everywhere that say you have to have a mask on in order to be served. I mean, we've tried pretty much everything. People just don't want to be told 
what to do. Security guards on the pool deck, walking around, handing out masks, saying, because the rule right now is when you're in the pool, you don't have to have a mask on. But if you're sunbathing in your cabana, wherever, anywhere else outside of the actual water, you need to have a mask on. And also you need to have a mask on when you're asking for a drink. So no mask, no service. I'm surprised like uh, COVID mask tan lines isn't giant on Instagram right now. Oh my gosh. I (laughs) thought I was going to have one by now. Thank goodness I don't. (laughs) I don't know why, but I didn't get it. Is that a, is that mask thing when you're ordering a drink, like an official rule or like a Tennille rule? It's, it's, it's an official rule, but Tennille enforces it because not everybody does. (laughs) Had a girl. Cheers to that. And, uh, there are a lot of people that are leaving Vegas and going, that girl, the pool was a bitch. <laughs> and you yep. can't walk up to a bar and buy a drink. So for the love of all things, if you come to Vegas and want a drink, put your effing mask Please on. Please put it on. So how did the Boston girl make it to Vegas? How did I get here? That's a good question. Yeah. So Boston is where I'm from, but I moved to Vegas from Chicago. Oh, wow. Okay. I was living there uh, dancing for a small uh, modern dance company. And at the time... Professionally or erotically? Uh, professionally. Tom. <laughs> That's a good question. We gotta, that is a we good question. We gotta know. She would have made a Vegas, whole lot more money if this is erotically. <laughs> That's very true. Right. That's very true. I would have been rich by now. Both of you would have. Yeah, well. It's, yeah. it's our next job opportunity if all <laughs> else fails. Say, I, we, you know. I'll tell you what, if, if strip clubs open before our bars open, I'm going to lose it. <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. That would be a little crazy. But yeah, so I was in a long distance relationship. He was living in Vegas. And so I came here to join him. That is a classic story. It is a classic story. For sure. And it <laughs> lasted. Follow the guy or follow the girl. Whatever. Yeah. I literally, we were together for about 10 years and it lasted six months when I got here. And then it was. Wow. I think that this is for context, everyone. Tanil and I have known each other for umpteen years now. But I think this is the part of the story where I met you, right? This is where you met me, right? As I, I think I was in the middle of breaking up with him. Mm-hmm. So I was homeless for the most part. <laughs> Living out of your car. I didn't even know. Um, Bevertainment. Let's talk about that chapter. <laughs> Let's. It's like the official dancing cocktail waitress and waiter of Las Vegas or singer, I should say. Yeah, I was actually shocked at how many guys were in Bevertainment. Singers and dancers. I was actually really surprised. Yeah. Because I was working in the same building you guys were at the same time. Yeah. So that was something new to everybody, I think. And it did really well for a while. Yeah, it was definitely the, the official, probably still is the official job for entertainers. I feel like it's the gateway for... Drugs? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, entertainment in itself may be the gateway to drugs, but we'll talk right. about that later. For For people that are struggling to find artist jobs here, it's a really great way to make extra money. I feel like it's the gateway into food and beverage from a career in entertainment, whether that be singing, dancing, what have you. But I mean, over the years, there have been some massively talented people. Like this pool of people is all anybody that's like a Bevertainment alumni. It's a little bit of a cult, you know, like there's, 
there's a lot of people that are just amazing singers and dancers and have done all sorts of like artistic work all over the world. So, I mean, for that, I felt very fortunate to be a part of that group. But um, craziest bevertainment story. Oh, oh my goodness. Craziest bever. I mean, foot fetish guy. I think that's everybody's. Oh, let's talk about that. (laughs) Oh, my God. That crossed from hotel to hotel. I mean, yeah. That probably is one of my craziest stories. Foot fetish guy. I mean, anybody who has ever worked at the Rio knows who he is. So this guy would just come and sit at the bar with like a stack of 20s. And he had a foot fetish, so... And and for context, guys, the Bevertainers at the Rio, if you were a dancer, you used to actually change your shoes from, like, whatever you were wearing from cocktailing to dancing shoes to, like, ballroom shoes, whatever you wanted to wear. So he just had a foot fetish, so he would sit at the bar, and anytime you would change a shoe or adjust anything foot-related... He enjoyed it and would just hand you a 20 every single time you did it. It was kind of the cool, like, slide. Like, yeah, on the just bar with your fingers. Slide, like, it across. slide it across. Yeah. Yeah. You were having that day when nobody was tipping and he was there. It was kind of like, great. I'm just going to sit here. Unbelievable. Or I'm just literally going to sit here and take my shoe off and put it back on 17 <laughs> times. <laughs> I mean, I had that oh, moment. Man. I was like, this is just, but I'm doing it. I don't care. Yeah. How many 20s you got, buddy? Because I got I got a lot of time right now. I think it's hilarious that that was a normal part of a work day. I think <laughs> nowhere but Vegas could anybody say, oh, yeah, you know, foot fetish guy. Right. Just random things that happen here that become so normal. I mean, I used to drive to the Rio. I used to work day shift, cocktailing, and... I would get off the 15 at Flamingo and every single morning I would see a guy in a Spider-Man outfit drinking a 40 out of paper bag walking down Flamingo. I mean, like (laughs) every morning at 730 in the morning. And then it was almost, it was so normal that, you know, you drive by and if you didn't see him, it was like, oh my God, is Spider-Man okay? You know, like. (laughs) That's hilarious. So you also work at nighttime too. You work at the pools. You got two different, you work daytime at the pool, right? And then kind of night club. Night club, yeah. That's where I do my dancing stuff, which is uh, not exotic. Again, <laughs> bring that back around. So yeah, uh, at Dre's, it's a little different experience. I don't have to really deal with people as much one-on-one. So Oh, so you actually just like go-go. Just go-go, yep. You know, I walk, get on the stage, do my thing, and then I get off. Coolest, most laid back, like, celebrity artist that you've worked with at Dre's? Nelly. Oh, shit. Really? Hands down. Really? He is awesome. Yes. He would come often. The older artists, like the old school artists, T.I., Nelly, they had their camps. The people that they brought with them, it was just a smaller, more intimate group. And they were really cool. Like, you know, they've been in the business a long time. Right. They're used to doing stuff like this. They're really respectful of like, you know, we know that we're in your space. So we have our team of people, but we understand you have your team of people. But Nelly would just, he was so comfortable with us. He would just jump on stage with us and dance. And like, after a while, he started to know our oh, routine. That's fun. He was just so that's cool. That's so fun. Like, that is cool when you're that level and you just kind of, you're laid back, chill. 
Yeah. When he would bring his girlfriend, like he would call us over. Hey, girls, come over. Meet my girlfriend. Like he was just. <laughs> That's so awesome. nice. Yeah. That's I so cool him. because we've all dealt with, you know, the celebrities that maybe you think in your head are going to be cool and they're just not. And they're not. And it's so disappointing. It is. It's like a dream shatterer sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So I read somewhere about you that you had a major crush since you were a little kid on Ray J. Have you ever met him? So this is a great story. This is a great story. <laughs> oh, here I'm we getting go. the wine here out for this one. At the wine out. <laughs> so you are correct. Since I was 15, I was actually in the Ray J fan club. I probably was one of two people in the fan club. Oh, nice. Uh, I wrote and they sent me like a little package and my mom bought it into me. I was 15. I was on school break and I screamed and yelled. It was nuts. Major crush since I was 15. And one time he came to the Rio for an after party. Uh, I think it was like a billboards after party and I wasn't working. And the manager the next day said, yeah, he was here and I was hanging out with him. And I'm like, what? <gasps> the one night I'm not working. <laughs> Uh, I went to a club and he was there and he was in a VIP section and my friend made it in and they would not let me in. No way. And I was so upset. I was like, I'm so close. Another time I drove to California to do this workshop and had no idea. And at the end of the workshop, they're like, oh, Brandy was on the panel. And she's like, my brother's here. He was sitting three rows in front of me the whole time. And I didn't know. (laughs) I tried to find him afterwards, could not. Uh, one time he came to Dre's and again, I never take the night off called out. And then I saw pictures of him there and I was like, I can never catch this man. I've never. So I just was like, I'm never going to meet him ever. It's just, it's not meant to be. I don't know. So I kind of came to terms with that. (laughs) Made your peace. You grieved the loss. Yeah. I made my peace. I grieved the loss. Um, he got married and had a baby and I was like, it's just not meant to be. And then about six months ago, I was on stage at Dre's probably a little longer than that, but I was on stage at Dre's and I turned around and he was in the DJ booth. I'm not quite sure what my face looked like, but my manager was behind him (laughs) and she just literally burst out laughing because she could see, I was like, Oh my God. And I'm trying to keep my cool and still dance, but I'm like, don't let him leave. So as soon as I got off stage, Um, somebody introduced me to him and we took a picture. So I actually finally met him. That's cool. It was really cool. It's totally true. Do you find people being more generous right now to service workers like because of COVID or do you think it's like, because, you know, people don't have as much disposable income. So it's not like you take that personally. Yeah, but it's a little bit of both. It's, uh, well, know. I'm getting a, a, a double whammy because uh, it's, some people are tipping heavily because they're like, oh, it's COVID. You can tell people are like over tipping. But, you know, I'm a black girl right now. And so Black Lives Matter. So I'm getting extra tips for that, too. Yeah, they do. There you go. There you go. And you actually, uh, speaking of Black Lives Matter, you actually protested some or marched a little bit. Did I didn't actually get out and march, march. I just didn't feel comfortable. Sure. The thing with me is that I just wanted to make sure that when I was going to a protest, uh, that it was something that was organized well and not something that was like something, you know, janky right. put together. I know a few people that uh, went to protests. One of my friends got arrested at the first one oh. um, and she got dragged and spent the night in jail. And so that made no me a little way. weary about going to the other ones. Yeah. 
Um, that was on the strip. So yeah, hmm. I mean, I've sat in on meetings and done all that stuff, but yeah, it's interesting right now. We're going to look back and this is going to be a year where a lot of, it changed a lot of people's lives, you know? It's a make it or break it year. It really sure. is. It It's, you know, I just talked to my cousin on the phone and I was talking to my best friend and, you know, everybody's just trying to figure out like, what do I do from here? Even people that mm-hmm. their jobs weren't disruptive they still feel a sense of like, man, like I know I'm still working and I'm fortunate to have my job, but like, where do I go from here? What do I do? Right. I think the way that we interact with people on a human level has obviously changed for multiple reasons. I mean, there's obviously a really important social movement happening that's, you know, being recognized and affecting that. There's obviously a virus that's then, I mean, that's connecting people and then the virus is physically tearing them apart. So there's this sort of balance. It's just a very strange time. And I mean, down to the way that you normally do things, like you go to the grocery store different, you go to a restaurant differently. If you even go at all, you, I mean, we don't have any kids together, but people that have children, that's such a difficult thing right now. I mean, yeah. it's just, life is just different. Even at the pool, you can you can tell it's just, you know, it's different clientele too. You know, you have a little bit of the same people that came last year, but there's a few people that have texted me or called and are just asking about Vegas. And you can see some people are just clearly concerned. They just don't know. You know, a lot of people, as you guys know, you know, you get the same people that come every year, right. sometimes multiple times a year. Sure. And so the, those people are like, well, we were, we we're going to come, but like, what do we do? And how is Vegas? And it's, it's just so up and down right now. Total different energy being at work too. Absolutely. Um, especially with, without the bars, you know, we just didn't even think about, you know, we know as cocktail servers and bartenders, you know, that you have to work together and sure. one hand washes the other. I mean, I can't effectively do my job without you guys, vice versa. But it's just, I don't think that we realized how crazy it was going to be when it's just like, no, people can't walk up to the bar and get a drink. They have yeah. to get it from you. It's been which, nuts which, I at mean, work. It's been it's crazy. crazy. And, and in a lot of regards, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I don't think the virus knows the difference between a bar and a restaurant. So I don't necessarily agree personally with the choice to close bars here in Nevada, as opposed to not just specifically closing the places that weren't in violation. I think that unnecessarily took a lot of income out of people's lives that really deserved it. And it's just a hard thing right now. It's a really hard thing. It's like the, it's like the bad apples. Like there's, there's one bad apple and then you're guilty by association. So if there's one bar or a chain of bars or whoever government official walks into and says, well, these people aren't wearing masks because that one bar didn't wear a mask, every bar in the city isn't doing it automatically by association. So let's shut them all down. So they can't follow, you know, so they have to follow the rules. It's it's a hard situation because it's like, you know, you don't want to completely shut the strip down again or keep it shut down because, I mean, Vegas will die. That would kill us. We yeah. can't. Yeah, it would totally kill us. So it's like, what is the balance of keeping the strip open, but also keeping everybody safe? Right, but it's a virus. I mean, people are still going to get sick. You can absolutely reduce that percentage, but we have to understand that that's not 100% foolproof. And I feel like right now, 
this sort of directive to close bars. It, it just it feels very targeted. I agree. Let's go back to when everything was great and clubs were packed and we were working. Um, in your pro dancing career, what what would you say that was that was my moment? That was it. Ooh. We're big on moments here. I think I was at the dollar store and I'm walking around on the phone and I feel like this girl is like following me through aisles and I'm like, what the hell is going on? And finally I get off the phone and the girl kind of musters up enough courage to come up to me and she's like, do you work at Dre's? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're a dancer there, right? And I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're much shorter in person, but I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what? But it started to happen to me a lot. People would recognize me out. You just don't That's know cool. how many people are just there watching and just on the stage. And, and, you know, we had a little catwalk and people would, I mean, they would clamor to touch you and feel you when you were on like the, the catwalk. It was crazy. Right. I think that arts are so important. And I think for anybody that's a dancer or an entertainer, an actor or a singer, like there's so much joy in knowing what you bring to the world. And so the, but you don't always get it right away. You don't always know. Right. And it's the times when people reach out or they, you know, send a note in to the stage that you're working at or they stop you or, you know, like they reach out or fan meet and greets and they say something to you because, you know, it's, those are the times that you're like, wow, what I do, it brings me joy selfishly, but it does to you too. Right. And it's really validating and spending your whole life training for something like that, you know. Tanil, what's your song? Yes. I know when you're in a club and you got energy going and all of a sudden the DJ just drops one. What is your theme song? What's your, what's your song that you're like, oh, that's my jam. That is my shit right oh, there. Oh, man. Um, we could do top five on that. There we go. We're going to come back to the top five. You know five what? Later. No, my song is probably... Usher, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I love Usher. Uh, mm. uh, yeah, it was not to love about Usher. Look, I'm, I'm in my iTunes right now because I have to give you the exact name of the song <laughs> because even the girls at Dre's will say it because when the song came on, they would they're like, oh, she's going to the catwalk. Are we talking like early 2000s here? Of course, because oh, there you go. Yeah, you know me, and I'm like all the way. Uh, I think nothing is better than mid-90s R&B. However, Usher being a little later, I'll put that in there too because I love him. I think everybody's song, well, at a hip-hop club is going to be, you know, girls are classy. But once you hear that line, for the 9-9 and the 2000, you just run. Yeah, yeah. And it's all <laughs> about your twerk session. So yeah. that would also be my thing. I would, I've, I have a couple of pictures of me twerking on the runway <laughs> to that song at Dre's. <laughs> I was going to say that might, that, might, that might be my cover. Maybe we'll uh, cover share some for the audience. <laughs> yeah, we might have to put that on It'll your page. Great cover picture, actually. Yep. That's it. I just want to tell you guys that this girl is just swigging the rosé right out of the bottle. <laughs> and I love her for it. It's amazing. This it's is amazing. so good. I mean, this is the happiest of hours here. This is happy hour, so you got it. It is happy. So what's next for you? What's your next career adventure? Are you good where you're at? Are you going to kind of... That is a good question. Feel it out. So yeah, quarantine has been interesting for me because it's given me time to evaluate. For the past, I would say, almost eight years, I've kind of been trying to figure out 
what I've been doing and I've had a specific interest. So I actually just started school, just finished my first class. Yay. Uh, nice. Yay. I got an A. Good for you. Of course you did. <laughs> but yeah, so I am actually in the process of going back to school for nursing. And I'm going to have a concentration in midwifery. So uh, birthing people's babies. Really? Yeah. That's amazing. The interest interesting. I've had for about 10 years now. And I've been working in the service industry like crazy and haven't had time to even think about trying to go back to school. So now that uh, I've had time, I just went for it. So That's awesome. Good for you. My next Super exciting. Move. You have to tell us about your, your fur baby. Oh, my fur baby that's acting crazy right now. Sorry. He wants to be on the show. He it's does fine. want to be on the show. So my little fur baby, uh, his name is Captain because I'm Tennille. <laughs> uh, if, so cute. If you're of a certain age, you will understand that reference. <laughs> <laughs> he's a little mini golden doodle, though he's not too mini. He's about 30 pounds. And he's a year old. He's a Gemini baby. His birthday is May 28th. Nice. All right. Well, maybe he can help you play this little game. We call this game Fill the Seat. I'm ready. You get three. The premise of this game is you have three open seats at your pool bar, and you can fill those seats for happy hour with anybody, dead, alive, anybody in the world. And why? Man, this is a good question. Okay. Is Usher one of them? No, Usher. Usher's not in my seat. Oh, my heart's broken. First would probably be Nikki Giovanni. Nikki Giovanni is my favorite poet ever. Interesting. I love her. My very first poetry class that I took in high school, I found a book of hers and read her poetry and just fell in love with it. I love that. I love it. So she would definitely be filled in one of my seats. Uh, My second seat, Michelle Obama. Yes. Because she's just the most awesome person in the world. I just Bringing wanna, the power like, to the table. I just want to talk to her about everything possible because she's just, she blows my mind every time she talks about stuff. I just love her. I just think that she's like the perfect mix of so intelligent that you feel like uh, if I went to school for another 10 years, I still would not be as smart as her. <laughs> but she's also so down to earth, you know, that I would just love to like pick her brain about stuff. And just talk to her. That's awesome. And my third would be Ina Mae Gaskin, who nobody knows who that is, but she is pretty much, she's about 80 years old and she's uh, probably like the guru of midwives. Really? No shit. She's written books and yeah. So she's like, I would love to talk to her because there's so many things about midwives, like as far as not being able to birth breech babies and you can't have twins naturally. That's there's stuff that's not true. So she's just, she's been at so many births and seen so many things that I'm sure she just like, she's just all knowing. I love her. Talk to us really quickly about why your interest in becoming a midwife and sort of the, I guess maybe along those lines, the myths you want to bust about midwives versus kind of a traditional hospital type experience. You know, what's so interesting is that, so I've decided to do this and I went to work the other day. My boss is this big burly guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, look, (laughs) I don't have a full schedule. I'm in school. I can't have a full schedule. He's like, well, what are you going to school for? And so I tell him and he immediately lights up. Really? And he's like, I've had both of my children at home 
with a midwife. And he's like, I will not lie to you. He said, if he had any other alternate profession, that's what he would choose to be. Really? Six wow. foot two, big guy. I was like, that was a, the furthest thing that I thought he was going to say. I thought he was going to be like, no, you're going to have to work. Right. I don't know what to tell you. I think that speaks to the power of a home experience versus, you know, something a little more. It's hard. I mean, a lot of a lot of times men are more uh, no way with the whole home birth, which is understandable. You know, your your wife's going into labor. You don't want anything to happen. And most men are just like, no, we need to be in a hospital in case anything happens in case they, there are any complications. Right. But honestly, men actually, once they experience a home birth, they are more excited about it than women are. Right. And I think, too, most... Most men are pretty lazy too. So if you're telling me that I don't have to leave the house, <laughs> ew, and we can just get this Tom. done real quick, <laughs> yeah, I was no, but that's it's true. It's true. Most men are like I, I've heard men say that too. It's like, man, it was great. We didn't have to go anywhere. Like we were, <laughs> yeah, we were just at the house, and like I could be in whatever I wanted to wear. She was in what she wanted to wear. Yeah, you, you can, can have a beer. You can have a beer. She can have a. a I'm a gonna sub. kill you it's right like, now. <laughs> I feel like I've heard a lot about that just being like, it's just such a like emotionally intimate, powerful type of thing that you just don't necessarily get in a hospital. A midwife is basically trained to catch babies naturally. I'm going to be trained to, in all the possibilities, whatever's going to happen, but for you to have a natural childbirth. Now it's up to you. If you want to be in a hospital, you can have a midwife and still have a hospital birth. That works as well. But in general, when you find out that you're pregnant and you go to a hospital and they assign you a doctor, it's an obstetrician. And I think people don't realize that an OBGYN, really their title is a surgeon. So what they've gone to school and learned to do is do C-sections and learn how to do this surgery. So a lot of women that I've talked to, especially, have had C-sections unnecessarily just because the doctor really does all these interventions and then ends up telling you, well, now you need to have a C-section because, right. you know, we've done this and this and this, and this isn't working. But if you haven't gone through all these things, then you wouldn't have to. So, I mean, there's a few things to it. And also being black right now and forever, <laughs> um, it's, it's just right we're noticing it more now, not that it hasn't been happening, but, you know, the maternal death rate, especially for black women, is really high and unnecessarily. Interesting. And it's just a matter of doctors not listening. Um, it's been a lot of studies, and this goes back to slavery, where as black people, we don't feel pain in the same way as white people do. So when a lot of mothers go in to have babies they'll talk about discomfort or pain that they're in and they're not taken seriously. And like they think you can take more pain. Yes. Interesting that we can take more pain. And so, you know, women will go in and say, well, I don't feel good. Or even before they go into the hospital say, Oh, you know, this has been bothering me. I mean, there's a lot of things, high blood pressures, you know, rampant when you're pregnant preeclampsia, getting diabetes, little things like that can really 
cause you, I mean, a perfect example, there's this man, Charles Johnson, and he has a whole foundation. His wife, you know, they had, they got married, had their first baby. Fine. Everything was great. She got pregnant again. They had a scheduled C-section, which is totally her choice. That's the way they wanted to do it. And so he said after the C-section, he noticed that she, there was like some pink in her catheter. So he could tell that she was like bleeding. So he said something to the nurse. The nurse said something to another nurse and he knew it was important. And it took them 10 hours before they took her back into the operating room. They opened her up and there were like three liters of blood and she died immediately. Damn. And it was literally, she would have been alive had they just taken her seriously and taken her back immediately. So it's little things like that. I mean, it's a, a popular wow. YouTuber just died 24 years old, black girl, same thing. She was doing these, you know, podcasts or, you know, these videos and saying like, yeah, I'm not feeling well before, right before she had the baby. and. But I mean, and this is across the board. This is why it's really important for women to have a birth plan and to stick to it and to say, like, this is what I want and this is what I don't want. Yeah. I think that's a major problem that we're having in society as a whole right now is that some people feel like they believe they know better than you what's best for you. And that's not the case. You know, I'm not, from a government level down to like you're talking about a hospital. Absolutely. You don't own me. You don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. I know my body, X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And the problem is people aren't listening. And that's the how do we change that part? Because in order for someone to listen, they have to open themselves up to possibly being wrong. Right. And people don't want to be wrong. You're right. There's a saying that I really, really like, and I wish I knew who said it, but he says, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Absolutely. That's true. You know, you can either be factual that you actually are the smartest person in the room or your, your ego's involved or something else is going on. And at that point, I mean, you're not doing yourself any, any service. I mean, on a human level, we all need a lot more compassion and understanding for each other and each other's experiences. And, you know, we need to be able to say like what, my experiences may be different than yours, and I actually want to learn about yours <laughs> instead of just me, me, me. Right. You know? Every single person has a story that you can either learn from or just get something out of. And I think we all just need to realize that we need to be open to everybody's story and to everybody's situation and that not two people have the same exact story. Right. So you can't judge somebody on one thing or say, yeah, that's just like something else because something about their story is a little bit different than something that you've heard before, a little bit different than yours. So just be open to other people and be compassionate because you don't know what people have been through, what they're going through. Exactly. Uh, you know, it, you just have no idea until you stop and you talk to somebody. And really just get to know them. We don't know exactly. I mean, we yes, we are all experiencing the hardships of whatever this virus is bringing our globe. But on a personal level, it's so easy to get ticked at the guy that cuts you off. I'm guilty of it. It's so easy to get annoyed with a, you know, a person that's checking your groceries out. And then you think like, I'm an asshole because I don't know if maybe they just lost somebody or they're worried about their next paycheck, just like I am. 
you know, and I think if we all start to sort of see that bigger picture, we'll be a lot easier on just a human compassionate level. Here's my question to you guys. Okay. Ooh, the interviewer becomes the interviewee. As far as tipping, do you think that people don't tip as much because they have a preconceived notion that we get paid on a different scale so that their tip doesn't matter? Or do you find that you have a higher number of people that understand the cocktail bar industry and will tip you accordingly? Living in a city that we live in and working for the people that we work for, a lot of times we have a, there's a union, a bartender servers union, and the majority of people make a decent hourly wage. And I think when, once people know that information, they say, oh, well, they're making enough per hour. They don't really need the tips anyways. If you go to almost any other city in the country or almost in the world, service industry people don't really get paid anything. Like minimum wage is a lot if you're a bartender. So I think if you tip, you tip everywhere and everyone. And if you don't, you don't. And the people that don't, you can tell them that this is what they should do for a service. And some people just aren't going to do it anyway. Right. So, I mean, it's kind of that you can't make somebody do something nice. Tipping is an interesting conversation because I feel like everyone should be required to spend six months serving tables, bartending. I agree. Whatever it is. Yes. Fast food joint. I mean, like anything. Because you, when you are on the other side of that, it is not easy for anybody that says, oh, you have it easy, you know, Friday night in Vegas, You good for you. No, it's hard work. And yeah. you put up with a lot and you build a thick skin. And I mean, you know, we all have the, the crappy customer stories, but I mean, if I honestly look at it, I, there's just as many great customers for negative ones and I just feel like you learn a lot when you're on the other side of that space. And if everyone were to do that, <laughs> I think everyone would tip differently. Yeah. On that note, Tanil, you are awesome. Thank you so much. We love talking to you. I love you. Oh, I love you. You are an amazing friend and we're just, we're so glad that you're on the show and uh we definitely want you to come back. Oh, yeah. And we'll do a uh, part 2. We'll get the answer to what your song is. And I am going to make sure that I have the answer to that song. <laughs> All right. Time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Love you. Bye. Bye. She's amazing. You never know the twists and turns that life is going to throw at you, I guess. Thank you guys for listening today. We're so truly grateful that you spend some of your day with us and take time out to hang out. Don't forget to visit barstarspodcast.com to become a regular and join our community of bar stars. We're looking forward to it. If you're loving what we're doing, please give us a subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify or listen on any other podcast platform. Until next happy hour. Cheers. Thank you, sir, for the three zeros on the gratuity line, you son of a bitch.